Good morning, Identity Church. There, there you I go. go. Okay. Well, we're going to be graced with an awesome teaching by my wife, Heather. You know, Heather's been teaching. She teaches high school. She's an awesome high school teacher, but she's also an awesome teacher of the Word. Amen. You know, I love listening to Heather teach. You know, one of the things that I, that I don't understand about certain people is they'll say, I don't want to listen to a woman teacher or a preacher. Well, I got news for you. We need to be listening to lots of people. That if they know the word, if they have a gift and a call, we need to listen to them. You know what? Just like me, you're going to listen to me. There's some things that you're going to go, hey, I got to go back to the word for that. Do it. I, I double dog dare you to go back to the word on me. Okay? But you know what? It doesn't matter who's teaching as long as God's in it. That's where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So I'm going to give this over to Heather. She's got an awesome message for you. Thank you. All right. So while I have this stage, I will say happy anniversary to my husband. We're celebrating 25 years on Tuesday. And so we're very excited about that. And he's already done really well. So he has already done a good job celebrating that. Um, I'm excited about today, and I say that every time I take the, the pulpit, and it's because that God's been stirring something in me, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds, and I'm just like, I'm ready to share it, God. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, when I created this slide on authority, it had this beautiful little shadow underneath it and mirrored image, and then we sent it here, and this, this program doesn't like that, so it's just authority. So it's okay. Um, we're talking about authority today. I think this is something that the body of Christ doesn't know enough about. I think there's a lot of people that either have had zero teaching or understanding on authority. And then there's people who have had teaching on authority, but it has kind of fallen by the wayside and they don't utilize it the way God intended for us to utilize it. And so they're letting life circumstances keep bounce off, bouncing off of them because they just won't take their authority and, and walk in the victory that Jesus has provided. So we're going to talk about that today. And if you already have a foundation in uh, the authority that you have as a believer, I pray that today stirs you up. And if you have never heard anything about your authority as a believer, I just pray that today plant seeds that the Holy Spirit can use in the future to keep growing you in knowing who you are in Christ. So, um, you know, we're Identity Church. That's the name of our church. So everything that we teach is from a perspective of identity, who you are because of Jesus on the inside of you. And today will be no different. There are a lot of Christians that they got born again and they know that they have a home in heaven when they die. They know that their sin has been forgiven and those are wonderful things. But that's really all they know. And they are very limited in knowing what else God has provided for them. And so they walk around in life as a victim to the things that the enemy throws their way. And they don't really know a way of escape. And so they're just hanging on for dear life until they get to heaven. But do you know eternal life, everlasting life that's mentioned in John 3.16 was meant to start the moment that you got born again. It says that you shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's not just talking about perishing and going to hell and then instead now you get to go to heaven. It's talking about anything in your life that is causing things to perish, to die, to be of destruction. Those stop or should stop the moment that you get born again and you should be walking in everlasting life from that moment forward. Now, I am not standing here saying that things will not happen or that the enemy won't try to throw things your way, but the extent that they can produce in your life is up to us and up to how much we have renewed our mind to the authority that we walk in. I want us to look at a couple of scriptures. Spiritual authority is a part of our identity in Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We can see here that we have been crucified with Christ and now we live through Christ. And so we don't live in the flesh. Even though we're in this world, we're not of it. We live by faith in the Son of God and what He has provided. We've got a lot of people that are trying to deal with attacks from the enemy through, through physical means, through the flesh. 
Anything that comes against us in the form of sickness, instead of going to the Word of God, we immediately go to the doctor and we try to find out what pill we can take, what surgery we can have, or what diagnosis we can get. And I'm not against surgeries or pills or anything like that, but Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto us. So we need to go to God first and see what does He guide us and lead us to do. See, in every area of our life, we're no longer seeking man's way of doing things. We're pursuing what God has promised in His Word. Do you know that when you got born again, Jesus literally ripped sin out of your life? Romans 6, 14 and 23. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when you got born again, Jesus uprooted sin. Now you have to understand, sin is the root that grows anything that has to do with death. So anything like poverty, sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, troubled relationships, all of those are the fruits and byproducts of sin. And so when you said yes to Jesus then he came in and he uprooted sin. Therefore, by default, all of those products, byproducts of sin, they're not, if they're functioning in your life, they're there illegally. They don't have a permission to be there because what should be producing the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So things that are life-giving, that's peace and joy and health and provision and soundness of mind, that's what's supposed to be producing in our life. Y'all, when I got a hold of that, that set me free in so many areas. I am no longer bound to the byproducts of sin. And so if they're producing, how dare they? I am a child of God, and they don't have any authority to be producing in my life. So if they are producing, and they will try, then I, I don't need to sit back and go, God, why are you letting this happen to me? He gave me the power and authority to say, no, you will no longer produce in my life. I want us to look at, we're going to kind of study that out. I want us to look at when did we actually get authority as a believer? When did this start? Well, guess where we're going? Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. It said, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over everything that creeps on the earth. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over every living thing. Do you realize that from the very creation of the world, God put us in charge here? He created this world for us, and the original plan was for this to be where we have dominion, that we were supposed to have over all the earth to subdue it, to be in charge of it. And see, at the fall of man, that's when Adam and Eve believed a lie. And so they lost what they thought they had. And they lost it, and so then they started walking, and the byproducts of sin started producing. But God, He made another way, and it's called Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Let me uproot that and give you back this power and authority that I originally created you to have. I want us to look at these words, multiply, and dominion. The word multiply is defined as to increase, to bring in abundance, to be in authority. God told us to multiply. Now, he was talking about multiplying, having children, and filling the earth. But that multiply doesn't just mean that. It means to bring in abundance. You know, in order to have abundance, that means you've got to have enough of something for you and that you can give it away to other people. But in the body of Christ, so many people, we don't have enough for ourselves, much less anybody else, because we just don't know what we have. We were called to be in abundance everything that is life-giving. Anything that Jesus paid for, that's what we're supposed to be walking in abundance. Peace, joy, provision, soundness of mind. We're supposed to be in abundance and be in authority. Multiply, be in authority. The word dominion. It's defined as rule or power, a sphere of influence or control. We are to be in dominion here on this earth. This is our sphere of influence. We are the ones in control 
of whether we are victims or victors. You know, I'm a school teacher. I teach 11th graders. And a lot of those boys are bigger than me. They're taller than me. They're stronger than me. And a lot of people ask me, how do you teach high schoolers? I'm going to be honest, y'all. A room full of little bitty ones is scarier to me than a high schooler. But those high schoolers, when they come in my classroom, in Miss Cornelius's room, guess whose dominion that is? Miss Cornelius's. And so if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing, then Miss Cornelius is going to have dominion and take authority over you and say, you will not act this way in my classroom. Why? Why can I do that? Because the authority and power has been given to me by the school to be in charge in my room. As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be in charge in my room. And I probably, as a teacher, could get in trouble if I let a three-ring circus happen all the time in Miss Cornelius's class. Do you know the same thing applies to us? We have been given this earth. We have been given power and authority to rule and reign in this life. And if there's a three-ring circus happening in our life, it's because the enemy has convinced us of a lie that we can't do anything about it and that we're just victims. It's a lie. The body of Christ has been believing a lie since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden. It's been a question of who you are. Well, we are children of the Most High God, and how dare anything from the pit of hell try to rise against us? I am tired of myself and other believers surviving instead of thriving in this life and just waiting, God, why won't you do something? God, why aren't you doing something? He's like, I have done everything that you need. I put in your born-again spirit everything you need to be victorious in this life. But so many people just let it lie dormant. And they're like, well, my sin's forgiven and I'm going to heaven. Well, praise God. But you know what? you got to live here. And he meant for you to do it in abundance and in life, fullness of life. Let's look at the New Testament. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you, this is Jesus talking, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word key here, it means power and authority to open and shut. The power and authority to open and shut. I have been given the key to the kingdom to open and shut the things that I need from the kingdom of heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there poverty and lack in heaven? No. Is there depression, fear, and anxiety? No. What's in heaven? Peace and joy. That's right. And love. All these things in heaven. And I'm the one that has the key to access those things. You know, it would be kind of like Kaylee and Caleb, our children, they live at our house. They know how to enter our house. They have the keys to the house. But they're standing out in the front yard going, I need food. I need clothes. Will somebody let me have food and clothes? Can y'all throw something out the front door? We think that's silly and absurd. They have a key. It's their house. Go in and get what you need. Do that with the kingdom of God. It's your father's house. Go get what you need. It says that we have the keys to the kingdom. I have the power to open and shut and withdraw what I need. You know, think back to the Lord's prayer. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my permission to retrieve what I need. But you know what? If I don't know that, then I'm not using my keys. And it goes on to say, whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The word bind means to forbid or prohibit. So that means whatever is forbidden in heaven, I have the right to say I forbid it here. Because this is my sphere of influence. This is the place that I have dominion. So when something comes against me, then I'm going to tell it, I prohibit you. You stop in the name of Jesus. You have no authority to do this in my life. And whatever it is I do need, I'm going to receive that from the kingdom of God because i got the keys to get it. The word loose, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Loose means to set free, to dissolve, declare unlawful. I declare depression to be unlawful in my life. And when it tries to rise its head, I'm going to speak to it and command it to go in the name of Jesus. And I loose peace. From the kingdom of God. Now I want you to notice a couple of things I've said. And I don't have a scripture up here about this right now. But I've said I speak to it. I want you to think back to your salvation moment. When people get born again, they believe in Jesus. And then they do what? 
they say they confess him as their savior. When you really begin to believe this, you'll start saying two things. And we've got to stop saying, well, that's weird. Or I'm shy. Or I just feel awkward. Well, get over it. And I don't mean that ugly. I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying we've got to get past ourselves and realize when something rises against it, I'm going to speak to it. And I, again, I'm not saying your world is going to be perfect. You'll never have anything come against you. There will be no flaws. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because hell is here and Satan is trying. But you know what? Every time it comes at me, I'm going to take authority over it and I'm going to speak to it. And then I'm going to the Word of God to see what He says that I can withdraw from heaven so that I can begin to produce that in my life. And the more I keep going back to the Word and the more I study on that, the more I begin to believe it. And the more I begin to believe it, then the more it starts coming out of my mouth. And the more aware I begin to be of things that, you know what? I've been putting up with this for years and it really has no permission to be in my life. What am I doing? And then I don't deal with that situation. And we all have areas where we're really strong in this, but we're letting this one slide. Everybody has that. But when the Holy Spirit prompts you and begins to help you see do you realize you don't have to put up with this? That's not the Lord going, shame on you for letting that in your life. No, that's a loving father saying, letting the Holy Spirit prompt you to go, hey, I love you and I don't want you to have to put up with that anymore. Use your authority and walk in it. Amen. Let's look and see what are we supposed to do with these keys to the kingdom. Mark 16 verses 15 through 17. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are things that New Testament believers were created and meant to be walking in. There's a whole lot going on here that I think a lot of us are not walking in, and especially to the extent that we can. But the key to this, go back toward the beginning of this verse, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now, that's twofold. That they can't follow you if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ because you're acting in His power and authority that He's given you. So first of all, you have to be born again. You have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. But also, you have to believe that these signs follow you. Do you know you can be a, a Christian your whole life and never believe any of this? And you're still going to go to heaven. And, and Jesus loves you and there's nothing to be condemned about, but why not take advantage of something that he has given to us? I'm going to choose to believe. And it tells us we can cast out demons. We can speak with new tongues, take up serpents. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're not talking snake handling. Don't ever come in here thinking that Dusty's going to open the box of snakes. If he does, I'm leaving. I'm just telling you. If there's a snake, I'm leaving. Yeah, if there's a snake, Dusty's leaving too. We don't take, that's not what this is talking about. Taking up serpents. We're talking about taking up serpents. You know, Paul had a serpent come out and, and bite him, and he just shook it off and went on his way. Things come at you and try to attack you. Sometimes you consume things that are deadly, something that comes against you. Again, it will by no means hurt you. So it's not talking intentionally. I'm intentionally going to pursue something dangerous. We're talking about when things you encounter unexpectedly in life come at you, I'm just, they're not going to hurt me. They're not going to harm me. Have you ever had something that maybe a medication or something you took that years later they found out it was dangerous and they took it off the market? You know, when things like that happen, we can all go, oh my gosh, I took that. And then you start expecting those things to happen to you. No, I'm going to be like, well, I didn't know at the time, so I'm just going to go on and just declare that it's by no means is going to harm me. And I'm going on my way. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not they might, not, well, I hope they do. But they will. But you know what? That's part of believing that. I'm going to believe these things. Do you know your belief is probably the most important thing? The more you believe, the more you're going to see come to pass. Dusty said over the last couple of weeks that if you just keep going, you will win. 
And a lot of people get here and they begin to believe and then something doesn't go the way they thought it was going to go. And they're like, well, you know, that worked for Pastor Dusty, but it don't seem to work for me. Oh, well. And then they go on and never, never use it again. You know, believing is the same thing as a lot of other things in life. You know, when I first started driving, I was a terrible driver. I'm thankful my parents let me go around. I, you know, and I, Kaylee and I have the same mentality. When we bump over curbs, which we try not to do, we go, oops, and we keep going. But you know what? I did that a lot when I was Kaylee's age. I got myself stuck in the, when I was going to UAB in college, downtown Birmingham, and you know, the traffic was so intense and you're supposed to inch out on that light and wait till it turns red so you can make that turn. Well, I got out there and then it turned red and I was too scared to make my turn, so I just sat in the middle and blocked all of the oncoming traffic. People were honking their horns and yelling unkind things to me and giving me hand gestures and all kinds of things as I sat there. And I was just like, I'm just not going to look at anybody. I'm not going to look at anybody. And I just had to wait. You know why? Because I was not experienced. I had to do it. And I had to keep driving. And I didn't just go, I'm never driving again. I'm done. Oh, no. See, what I'm talking about, driving, we have to practice. And the more we practice, the better we get at it. And so I've been driving long enough now. It's not perfect, but I have a whole lot fewer moments where I get stuck in the middle of traffic and don't know what to do. Or I do that, oops, I went over the curb or whatever. Dusty used to ask me a lot at the beginning of our marriage, why is your car always out of a line? I don't know. It's probably all those curbs I was riding. But anyway, my point is believing is the same. You know, the more you practice that, the, and the more you begin to see it manifest, it builds your faith. And you're like, oh, and you had a faith victory. Okay, so then the next one comes along and it happens. Yes, another one. And then the next one comes along and it fails. And you're like, oh. But you don't give up and walk away. You go, nope, I know what God's word says. And even if I haven't done it exactly as it needs to be done, maybe I'm not in full belief yet and I'm still questioning and haven't seen anything, I'm still going to just trust that God is going to do what he promised he would do. And I'm going to keep trying it over and over and over and over and over, and I'm going to start seeing more and more victories. I flipped to my next side because I got excited and pressed the button. All right, so we're talking about belief, but do you know unbelief is powerful? Unbelief stops us from flowing in the supernatural. It's not God withholding from us. It's that we are not believing Unbelief is just questioned identity. You are questioning who you are or you're questioning who God is. I don't really know that I deserve that from him or that he loves me enough to do that. I don't know that I have enough faith. I don't feel like a spiritual super duper. I haven't read my Bible enough. I haven't prayed enough. And it's as though we're coming in with a, I'm not sure who I am. But understand, if you're a child of the God, then child of God, then you have the right to believe. And yes, we need to go to the Word and keep studying and renewing our mind to who we really are. The more we do that, the more we become secure in our identity. You know, when Dusty and I first got married and my name changed from Golian to Cornelius, when I was in a room full of people, you know, like a waiting room somewhere, and they would say, Miss Cornelius, and I would be like, Oh, that's me. Because it was a new name. I mean, for 19 years of my life, I was Heather Gullion. Well, now I'm Heather Cornelius. And so, you know, as a new bride, I used to practice writing Cornelius. <laughs> I, my handwriting's terrible. It never turned out well. I mean, still, I still write it, but it's as ugly as it's ever been as far as in my handwriting. But I began to see that as my identity. And now if somebody said Heather Gullion, it might, wait, me? Because I'm so used to my name being Cornelius now. When you got born again, you might think the way you used to think, but the more you begin to transform your mind by going to the Word, the more you begin to recognize, oh, wait, this is my identity. I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when something that is contrary to righteousness tries to rise in my life, wait a minute, nope, that's not who I am. You know, that has a lot to do even with sin. When we sin, and just because Jesus has uprooted the power of sin in our life doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. We do, but the power of it 
is lost. It can't hold on to you any more than you will allow it to hold on to you. So when you do something that you know is sinful, you acted out towards someone, you had unkind thoughts, you lied, whatever it was, and then the Holy Spirit brings that, "Mm, you know better than that. That's the moment when I go, yeah, you know what? That's not my identity. I'm not an old sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to walk in my righteousness. So I'm going to go to God and say, Father, I'm sorry. That's not who I am. I'm your child and I'm going to act like it. Dusty has told us before, sin's just missing the mark. So I was walking in the correct direction and I accidentally took a wrong turn. So the Holy Spirit quickened me and, oh, let me get back on my right path. But I'm not going to sit back and wallow in this, I'm such a horrible person. No, I'm going to go, never mind. That's not who I am. I'm going back to my identity and who I am in Christ. Unbelief in my identity, unbelief in what Jesus has called me to do, not believing that he has given me the keys to the kingdom or that he wants me to go out and preach the gospel and heal the sick and raise the dead and these kinds of things. If I don't believe that, it will not produce in my life. I will be stopping it. Not God, me. Jesus himself got stopped because of people's unbelief. The Son of God got stopped because of people choosing not to believe. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 to 58. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because... Of their unbelief. Jesus himself couldn't do a lot of mighty works because of their unbelief. He was willing. He wanted to. He was there to provide it, just like he is willing for us to walk in victory. But if we don't believe, it stops that power in our life. And it says a prophet's without honor except in his own country, in his own house. You know, sometimes when we believe things, it's the people closest to us that talk us out of it. And I don't think that they do it intentionally a lot of times or because that they're trying to trip us up. But if they don't believe and we're learning to believe and we go talk to them about it and they're just not at that place, then they're going to look at us like, well, what? That's crazy. Why would you do that? Just do this. See, even Jesus' hometown was like, who are you? What do you think you're doing? You're Mary's kid. I watched you grow up. As a believer, the people sometimes that we've spent years around, when we start learning our true identity in Christ, and they start going, what are you doing? You're going to one of those churches that believes in the Holy Spirit. That's weird. And so you go, oh, well, maybe it is weird. Okay, never mind. And they robbed you of your belief. And you're now in unbelief. And then because of that, God can't do mighty works through you, not because he doesn't want to, but because you're putting a stop on it. So when we read that we've been given keys to the kingdom, we're supposed to walk in power and authority. We've got to believe that. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. This is Jesus saying that we will do greater works than him. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm not really at that point yet where I'm running around doing more than Jesus did. But you know what? It says it's there. And how did that happen? He says, because I go to my Father. Well, do you know when he went to the Father, who did he send to us? the Holy Spirit. And so now because we have the Holy Spirit in us to lead us and guide us and prompt us, we can do the same things he did and we can do them in even greater ways because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So if Jesus himself said it's for us, let's believe it. Let's make a decision. I'm going to believe. Lord, even where I don't believe, help my unbelief. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, And he, when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them 
power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If I begin to believe these things, I've got, I have received more. And the more I receive, the more I can give. And I receive them freely, and it is my responsibility to freely give them. But if I don't believe in the first place, then I'm not receiving anything, and I don't have anything to give. And again, God's not mad, and He's not disappointed in you. But He does say, this is what I've provided. Think about what Jesus did. He went to the cross, and He shed His blood, and He bore stripes on his back and all of that in the crucifixion that was so that he could become us so that we could become him. To, to, we can walk in the power that he's given us. And we're not doing things in our strength. Heather has no power in her own strength. I don't have any power. It's not me. It's Jesus in me that does this. And I'm just going to choose to believe that. Well, what if I don't believe it? How do I come to believe it? I, I, I'm trying to believe it. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word faith just means to have a trust, a belief. So trust in my identity in Christ. Trust that God's going to do what his word says. Belief comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing who? Hearing God. And hearing comes by the word of God. How do I hear from God? I hear Him in His Word. I've got to go back to His Word and see what it is that I have authority to do. And the more I keep going back and the more I keep reminding myself... See, in Romans 12, it tells us to be transformed by renewing our mind. Renewing. Renewing. Making it new all over again. See, you may have had... 20, 30, 40, 50 years of believing one way. So it's absurd for us to think that after today, I'm going to be like, okay, I got it, Heather. I'm going to walk in this. Let me just go find some demons to cast out or what have you. That's not how it works. I've got to renew my mind to what the Word of God says. So I'm going to get the Scriptures out, and I'm going to read them over and over. I'm going to study and meditate on them. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to send resources and people across my path to help me in this area. Remember, we've talked before about the man that says, I believe Jesus helped my unbelief. So it's okay to have unbelief. And I honestly think that God appreciates it when we say, God, I don't have belief for this. I need help. And so whatever that is, then you give opportunity. You can say, Lord, I, I don't necessarily believe this. I'm trying. I just don't. So help my unbelief. And then that means you've got to be willing to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And it won't happen in one day, but over time, it says the Holy Spirit puts us in remembrance of things. Messages that you heard a week ago, a year ago, or ten years ago. Teachings that you've heard, books that you've read, scripture that you've read before, He'll draw you back to it. And things that you heard somebody say years ago that made absolutely no sense to you, all of a sudden today, light bulb moment. And it made sense to you. Do you know when someone said, I heard him say it a couple of different times, and I heard somebody say um, about sin being uprooted and all of its fruits not having, all of its byproducts not having power in your life. I didn't know what they were talking about. And so I heard it several times, and I kept studying the scriptures. And when I finally got a revelation of, wait a minute, everything I need is provided in life. And everything of death was connected to sin. So if I've been freed from sin, then everything from the power of hell ceased to have authority in my life. Y'all, that changed my mindset. And see, but I'd heard it a lot. But one day that clicked. So when we keep having hearing by the word of God, I keep going back to the word. And I read a scripture, Father, this one, I'm struggling. It doesn't make sense to me. He's going to speak to me. He's going to send the right people across my path. I've asked him questions during my Bible reading throughout the week. And on Sunday, Dusty will be preaching about something something completely different. And he makes one little statement that answers a question that I had during the week in my Bible reading. I've had students at school say things to me before and ask me questions 
that put me in remembrance of something that I heard years ago. See, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know and put you in remembrance of the things that you've heard. Faith comes because now I'm hearing from God. His Word is alive and it's speaking to me and it's growing me in my belief. And so now I'm beginning to be bold and brave and step out and I'm going to start taking authority over things and I'm going to see a victory here and a victory here. And if a victory doesn't happen over here, I'm not going to quit and just be like, well, never mind, and walk away. I'm going to go, nope, I'm going to keep going. I know what the Word of God says. I have heard from His Word. I'm following that promise. How else, what else is helpful? Let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now you got the Holy Spirit when you got born again. So you have been empowered to do things. But there is a dual working in that Holy The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues will empower you. And I know there are people here that you, you don't believe that. And that's okay. But I'm just telling you, in the Word of God, it says that's where our power comes from. In my life, when I have situations rise against me that I don't know what to do, I I don't know what scripture to read, I don't know what to pray, I'm out of my own natural wisdom, I need some supernatural wisdom, I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes there are days, y'all, when I drive home from school and I am praying in the Holy Ghost. Or if I... I may not get an answer instantaneously. Sometimes I do. But then all of a sudden I notice that the Lord is sending people in my direction. And then all of a sudden I know what I'm supposed to be praying. And so now I can pray that out in my English because he gave me direction. So even if something like the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is something you don't believe yet, know it's there. It was listed as one of the promises. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It mentioned Speak with new tongues. That's there. So if you don't believe that, that's okay. And if you don't ever want to believe it, that's okay. You're still just as saved. But if it's an area that the Lord's been quickening you, then it's time for us to go, okay, it's in the Word. I'm going to choose to believe God's Word over my logic and over maybe other things I've been taught. And I'm going to see what His Word says. Regardless of what Heather or Dusty say, I'm going to His Word because we know it is absolute truth. And I'm going to say, Lord, I don't know if I believe this, but I ask you to start speaking to me about it, whatever the truth is. Help me to see it and understand it and build belief in me. And then let the Holy Spirit minister to you, and the God will order those steps. And I'm telling you, it will empower you. I have watched people's lives be transformed because now the things they were doing before kind of in their own strength they are now empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that authority rises up out of them. There are people sometimes, I can remember as a child, there were people at my school who spoke at chapel, and they had a great message. And it was good, and I walked away with things. And then somebody else would take the pulpit, and it was like power was coming out of them. And people would leave and go, did you hear them? What was the difference? I found out this person had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and this person had not. And they were both teaching truth, but y'all, there is a power that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so when you're ready to walk in authority, you can't be mousy and be like, well, I hope this works. you got to go to the Word and say, I know who I am, and I will not stand here and allow the enemy to attack me anymore. And I'm rising up with the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and taking authority over this situation. Remember, Jesus said we'll do greater works because He sent the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want us to look at one more thing, and I'm beginning to land this plane. Luke chapter 9. Now, I have left out a couple of scriptures where the ellipsis is. You feel free to go back and read that on your own. I was trying to fit all this on one screen. I hope the font's not too small. So it says that then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, verse 6, So they departed and went through towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 10 says, And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. So at this point, he told them to go 
do all these things that we've seen that we have the keys of the kingdom to do. They went and did it. it they saw healings and people set free from demonic possession and things like that. And they come back and they're like, Jesus, do you know what we saw? Do you know what happened? And they're all excited and they're telling him all these things and talking to him. And then as the day, there's a multitude of people. Verse 12 says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, him, send the multitude away that they may go and get provisions. Now, as you think about this, they saw people healed. They saw people have, they got set free from demon possession and oppression. They saw all kinds of miracles. But they got these people and were like, we don't know how we're going to feed people. I don't know what we're going to do. And so they were like, Jesus, you need to deal with this. You need to tell them to go somewhere to get their food. Verse 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they're probably like, wait a minute, me? I don't, I don't have anything to give them. To me, this is the same thing as that scripture that Dusty talks about when they have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus cursed the fig tree and then they're walking past it and they're like, oh, the fig tree died. And he's like, seriously, guys, all these other things and that's what you're impressed with, a dead tree? Same thing here. They have been using the things God gave them to use. They have seen miracles. And then they're going, I don't know how we're going to feed these people. Jesus, you need to do something. And he looks at them and goes, you do something. I gave you power and authority to do it. But they're questioning their ability. So the goodness and graciousness of God steps in here. You give them something to eat. Verse 16. And then he blessed and broke them, talking about loaves and fishes and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Now, I want you to think about this. He took the loaves and fishes they had. He said the blessing. He broke it. He did not break those things into 5,000 pieces. Right. He broke it enough to give to each disciple. That's right. All right, now you go distribute it. I want you to think about what the disciples are doing. This is what, Lord, we got thousands. This is what I'm supposed to, okay. They had to step out and do something. That's right. Even when they were questioning. And God's going, you did all these things. You just told me about it. Here's another opportunity. And they're like, yeah, we were hoping you'd take care of this one. And he, he loves you. But you know what? I loved my children enough that I taught them how to do something. And I told them to do it. And I trained them to do it. And I practiced with them to do it. And then guess what? I had to be like the bird out of the nest. Go do it. You go do it. And so Jesus, he, he said the blessing. He broke it up and gave everybody a little piece. And then they had to step out in faith. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. And it says, verse 17, So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. So in the disciples' hands as they distributed is where that multiplication happened. Now, the disciples could have said, mm -mm, this isn't enough to feed everybody. I'm not going to look ridiculous. Not me. Y'all go ahead. You know, I'm sure some of them questioned. How many times in the New Testament have we seen where the disciples were like, some of the, it says some of them did not believe. You know, I, I don't know how I overlooked that, but for a lot of years, I kind of thought the disciples were like these super-duper power people. But the more I've studied and realized, they're just like you and me, and they had moments of questioning and moments they weren't sure but this was one of those moments where they stepped out and said, okay, if you tell me to, Lord, if that's what your word says, I'm going to choose to believe it. And then they saw a miracle. And notice, not only was there enough, there was an abundance. They took up leftover fragments, 12 baskets. And I think that was so that each one of them have leftover evidence that there was more than enough. You know, Dusty and I literally saw that happen. I think he shared this story. We had hot dog multiplication. We threw a, a fall party at our house on Halloween. And we had fixed hot dogs for the people that were coming. And then we were set up in the driveway. And the people that had come by to trick or treat asked, could they have a hot dog? We were like, sure. Well, I knew how many hot dogs I made. And people kept asking. We kept going, uh, sure. And so the hot dogs are up near the garage, and I'm at the end of the driveway with the candy bucket giving it out. And they would say, hey, can we have one of those hot dogs up there? And I kept saying, if there's one still up there, sure. 
And people would go and come back and they'd have two on a plate. I'm looking. Y'all, this went on the whole evening. All of the people in our group ate and then they went out and we did what was called at the time reverse trick-or-treating. They went door to door and gave out things to people. And it was things about the Lord and salvation and, and the church and that kind of stuff. So they had gone out and done that. And then they came back and our people ate a second time. And all the people coming to get candy from us ate. Y'all, honestly, I truly believe it was a miracle. I've never, I knew how many, I made like 40 hot dogs. We probably fed 150 people that night. And we just kept going back to that crock pot and there'd be more hot dogs in there. Okay. I mean, we were ministering to people and God was like, you know what, you need the hot dogs to do it. Let me help this situation. The disciples were ministering. Jesus was ministering. The people needed to be fed. He used this opportunity and he very easily could have divided all that and done the miracle himself. But because he loves us and he wants us to know, he trusts us enough to flow in what we've been called to do. Be that person that you say, Lord, I believe this, but I don't know if I believe this. So help my unbelief. And then after you've prayed that prayer, take time over the next days and weeks and months and years to keep going back to the Word. You know, we've got the Internet at our disposal. You can literally do an Internet search for every scripture on this one thing. Lord, I want to see all the scriptures on healing. And I'm going to go study them one by one. I'm going to go meditate on it. Do you know what the word meditate means? It means to ponder and think on. Do you know that worry and meditation are technically the same thing? Worry is in the negative. Meditation is in the positive. So you can worry about something or you can say, you know what, I'm replacing that thought. I'm taking that thought captive and I'm going back to what the Word says. So I've been studying on healing, so I'm going to meditate on that Scripture. And when I meditate on Scripture, I take it apart piece by piece. I look up words. What do they mean? Just like we did in Genesis with the word dominion, like we did in Matthew with the word keys to the kingdom. Look those up. Study those out. It would be more powerful and effective for us to study one Scripture that we have taken apart and let it have power in our life than to read an entire book that we just skimmed through so we could check it off, you know? So this morning, I'm coming to a close. This morning, I just want you to realize that God gave you and me the keys to the kingdom. And the only thing stopping us from flowing in that is our belief. So I pray that today, if you already knew you had power and authority, that you let this stir you up and you go back to the Word and say, Lord... I've been neglecting that in this area and I refuse to do it anymore and I'm going to rise up in who you have created me to be. And if this is a totally new concept for you and you're just like, Heather, you are just so far away from what I've ever been taught, then I pray that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing this back to your remembrance and you keep saying, Lord, it's in your word and I believe your word, so I ask you to help me to see where I can believe. You know what? He's so gracious. He'll meet you where you are and he will take you to the next step. And then there's going to come that moment where he's going to give you the loaves and fish and you're going to need to be bold and brave and say, you know what? I'm a child of the king and I'm walking in my authority. If you need more information about this, there is this is just not even broaching the top of the surface. Um, there are lots of resources that we can direct you to, lots of books on this. But it is something that God has provided through the finished work of Jesus. And it is time the body of Christ rose up and took our authority and ruled and reigned with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to turn it back over to Dusty. If you'll bow your heads with me. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for what you have provided for us. Thank you, Father, that you have given us the keys to the kingdom. And that now we don't have to be victims of this life and just be bounced around by situations and circumstances, but we can rise as victors and declare that the byproducts of sin no longer have power in our life, that we take authority over them and bind them in the name of Jesus and say, you are unlawfully here and we command you to leave. And that we walk in the fruits of the life of God that's on the inside of us. Father, the areas that we're not ready to believe yet, help our unbelief, Father. Send the right people and resources across our path to help us grow, Father. And that we lay down fear or pride or anything that's hindering us from growing in our belief. 
for all that you have for us. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, while I'm closing out, I feel like that there's a few people who might need prayer this morning. I want Heather to go over here, and I want people who need prayer to go over here. I, I feel like Heather needs to pray for some folks. If you've got sickness in your body, if there's something that's going on, let's get an agreement about it. You know that, that that's what it says in His Word, that, that whosoever, and I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, right? But if two or three whosoever's get together and they pray, that it shall be done for them as it is in heaven. Heather said it awesomely. What's in heaven? Is there sickness? No. There's only health and healing. So if you want prayer, you want agreement, I'm going to give you that opportunity. But I'm going to tell one little story. And this is, this is something that happened to Heather and I. Heather uh, did not get to be a part of this because this was, I was ambushed by my friend uh, when we were going to Jacksonville. So my friend Jim McCann, uh, the fourth, he was the pastor at this church in Jacksonville. And we went up there to go help them out. Well, one, one Sunday morning after like three or four months we were there, this man comes walking up and he had been coming to the church and this guy was the most argumentative, like he, he just, you know, there was just something about him. I mean, he was a good guy, but there was just something about him that he was going to find fault. He was going to find things that were wrong. And one morning he just grabs Jim in the back and he is like stone drunk. I'm talking about, he has got a snoot full and a half, you know? And he is out there, and he's irate. And little Jim goes, hey, the Lord's telling me that you need to go talk to this guy. So guess what? Jim goes and takes the pulpit, and I go walking back into his office that's in the back. And this guy is just, I mean, giving me down in the country. Telling me that he doesn't he doesn't know if he believes in God anymore, and all of a sudden I'm just starting to pray for I'm starting to talk to him, and I was about to pray for him, and I just really didn't know what else to do for him. And all of a sudden, there was a demon that manifested. How many people believe in angels? How many people believe that there's demons? You know that I believe that there is more demons that are possessing people that we see out here, you know, ugh, doing crazy junk, and that we just kind of go, oh, they're just, they're just what, you know, mentally unstable or whatever. But you know, this guy, he starts telling me things about, well, I know you believe this way, and here's things that are happening in your life. And this guy stands up, and I'm six foot three and a half, okay? I'm getting shorter every single day. I mean, just gravity's taking hold. But this guy's like six six. And he stands up and he starts pointing his finger in my face. And I the first thing I thought was, I'm about to get in a fight. I mean, I literally thought I'm about to have fisticuffs with this guy. And you know the thing is, is that it just hit me. This guy has a demon. And the first thing I thought to myself was, oh my God, he's got a demon. <laughs> I've never seen a demon. I've never seen anybody act like this in front of me. And you know what? I grabbed this guy and I bear hugged him. I mean, he's got his finger in my face. I just go right through him and I just start praying and I said come out of him in Jesus name and this guy starts just wrestling me I said come out of him in Jesus name and I said the love of God is going to overtake you and you know what's crazy because of Jesus the demon left you know that this guy was living in a demon environment with people who had problems. 
alcoholism, there's a root of demonic oppression in that. Drugs, there's a root of demonic oppression. Pornography, there is a root of demonic oppression. I don't care what people say. Oh, Dusty, you're crazy. You know what? If you ever have somebody that's about to beat your tail, that's acting like Satan, you better say in the name of Jesus, come out of them. Or you will be in a fight. You know what? All these people thought they were better than, you know, Peter, Paul, Jesus. What was the story? It, the the demon possessed man that was that was, he was um, was that the demoniac of Demera? He these people go in. They said, "Hey, we're going to go take care of him. We're going to say in the name of Jesus that Paul believes in." Not we believe in, but Paul. And that dude, one of them beat five men's tails, took their clothes from them. They ran out of there naked. So I got news for you. When you're sitting there and you're, you're dealing with something in your life, and you may be saying, Dusty, I've never dealt with a demonic person. No, you've dealt with demonic people. You just never have had them manifest this way. You start teaching the name of Jesus, you start talking to them, it will happen. In fact, I actually believe that we need to be standing in agreement because those people are oppressed. And this guy that, that the demon left him, and the first thing the Lord told me to tell him is get out of your situation. Don't go back to where this is happening to you. You know, the guy moved to North Carolina and I follow him on Facebook the man got married he's got kids this man is living the best life that he could live where he was in depression and thinking about putting a gun in his mouth the night before you know what you can think I'm crazy but I would rather stand and believe with people and I would rather cast out a demon and stand against hell itself if it's going to cause one person to live their life better. You know, I tell you these things not because Dusty's awesome. I tell you this because there's people out there that you have the power and authority to go and completely re their lives through Jesus Christ there are people you know that you can stand and believe with you know that the name of Jesus is not just power and authority over serpents and, and you know over poison and over you know demonic spirits and all this other thing it's, it's for everything I can show you a promise in his word and I'm standing on it. I'm standing on it. You know that, that in your life you need authority just to get out of bed and go work. But I don't want you to sit back and think to yourself, well I need the authority and the power to just you know, cast out a demon or believe for hot dogs. I mean some of these things, you just need to go, Lord, I need, I need the Holy Spirit and the authority to be able to go just deal with people, to live my life. I know no one's come up here for prayer. If that's fine. If you want to pray and get an agreement afterwards, that's perfectly fine too. I'm going to pray us out. Everybody, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you, dear Lord, that you are just giving us more and more understanding about your power and your authority, that you are bringing us to a place where we can stand upon anything that tries to kill us. I thank you, Father, that I, in the name of Jesus, am just praying over each and every person that's at the sound of my voice. 
that they just see and have a revelation of the power of God that has been given to us and that manifests in each and every one of us every single day. Father, I just pray that as they go through their week, that they are just, that they're demon killers, Father. I just pray in Jesus' name that when they come against people who have demonic influence, that you are just giving them the opportunity to be able to go and reclaim their lives. Father, I just pray over them. Have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.